Hello and welcome to another episode of Woman Advantage. I'm incredibly excited to be joined by Leanne Strollo. Uh, Leanne, how you doing? Pretty good. Making it through. <laughs> we're all we're all pushing through. Um, we are recording this during the uh, COVID-19 self-isolation period. So Leanne and I are both very excited to be talking to people that we don't live with, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. So I will get started with a softball question, which is, how did you get started in hockey? I actually originally hockey was not my sport at all. Um, I grew up in a household with my dad mainly and his parents and we were big like baseball football people and it wasn't even until my mom had gotten remarried um, had another kid who my little brother who's awesome and he's an awesome hockey player um, started playing hockey and just kind of rolled from there so that wasn't even until I was about in like middle school and I kind of discovered hockey with my mom and my brother And it was like this whole new world and this whole new sport that I loved. Um, But even still, it was kind of unique because I didn't get into like professional hockey right away. My brother played. So obviously, like I was going to his like youth games and stuff. But all of his coaches were like local high school and college players for a long time. So we were going to their games because it was like cheaper. And it was like, oh, my God, we know these players. And this is super cool. Um, But then eventually that just kind of snowballed into watching pro hockey and my whole family is Ranger fans now. So kind of weird, kind of a weird path there, I think, but definitely still got here. Yeah, that's I love that because that's kind of how I got into hockey. Uh, not with my little brother, but with all of my my friends growing up played played yeah. hockey. So we went to those games and I'm originally from Cleveland where we don't have a professional team. We yep. have the Monsters. So it was like the option was like, go watch high school hockey, which we did all the time. And it was so fun. And then when I moved to Buffalo for school, I was like, oh, they're so yeah. much faster. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, too, because if I always like short version, I'm like, yeah, my brother got me into it. They're like, oh, so you have an older brother. I'm like, no, he's seven years younger than me. <laughs> but he started playing because he had a different dad who was like the hockey guy. So it was it's funny, but, yeah. you know, out there. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. I love that. You know, what prompted you to get more involved in the hockey community? I knew from like a shockingly young age that I wanted to do something that involved writing. Um, Like I was that kid that had like journals on journals and was writing like full stories in notebooks and stuff. Um, And then pairing that with like my love of sports, I just always kind of knew like, this is where I want to be. I want to be writing about sports in some capacity. Um, And really when, when I think I was probably in college when I started caring a lot more about women's sports and I was like, this not only feels like something that I'm interested in, but, you know, something that I definitely want to make my career out of, but also something that feels like it's making a difference. Like, you know, writing about men's sports is, is super fun and, and all that kind of stuff. It's something I love still. But knowing that you're kind of making a difference in a, in a different community um, is really cool. And I think I just I know that I want to be doing that forever. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a really cool time for women's sports, just in general. And I love that we have like, two outlets that are basically dedicated entirely to women's sports, like women's hockey in particular right now. It's so cool. You mentioned that you're a fan of both men's and women's hockey, but you mostly cover women's. So how did you get involved in the women's game? Like, was it at school? Or was it a little bit later? Um, I think if I had to point to like a definitive moment, it was probably like the 2010 Olympics, which I think is probably a lot of people's definitive moment. Yeah. (laughs) These that are around my age. Um, 
I just remember like every, you know, I always had watched the Olympics. I'm like such an Olympics freak. I will watch every single minute of Olympics coverage when it's on, no matter what sport is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I was like, yeah, okay. I'm watching the men's game and cool fun. I mean, everybody knows Sidney Crosby like killed it that year. Um, you know, great. But then like looking over to it, I was like, Oh, but there's like a women's game and this is like super cool. And it's that very classic moment of like, I saw someone on TV who looks like me doing this cool thing that I've never gotten to see before. Um, but then of course, I mean, at that point I was still like 13, so I didn't have a lot of knowledge about where to go to get more of that. And really at the time there wasn't a lot. So it kind of faded out and then really just came back up with like world championships and Olympics until I was a little bit older. And I was like, Oh, like a lot of these women are playing a full season and how do I go and and watch that? And, you know, And like you said, it's a really good time for women's hockey right now. And hopefully we only get bigger and bigger and there'll be more opportunity for that. But um, yeah, I just think, I think like most people would say, it's just that moment of like, I relate to these players a lot more um, and I want to promote them a lot more because of that. Yeah. I remember the first time I saw a woman's game and just like the ponytail sticking out the back of the helmet (laughs) was just like, that was the moment for me. I was like, oh, yeah. And that's even for me, like going beyond that, I, I played softball growing up Mm -hmm. and so like I really loved baseball and I you know ultimately played softball but getting to see Jenny Finch I think Jenny Finch was the first female athlete that I was like oh my god like women do this too (laughs) and it was really cool because like my dad showed me that and that was even more of a relatable moment for me um just because like that was the sport that I played too that I was like oh my gosh like this is a woman and she's like striking out MLB players like this has to be a thing (laughs) yeah yeah female athletes are the coolest (laughs) I love it (laughs) So you currently write for the Ice Garden. And like I mentioned, there's a couple sites now that are basically fully dedicated to women's sports and women's hockey. What's it like to write for a site that focuses their coverage on women's sports? It is so incredible and amazing. And I like never shut up about it because I love it. Um, It is there are definitely a lot of sites or not a lot, but, you know, a good few sites that really focus in on women's hockey and even you know, I'll give credit to sites like The Athletic who who have um, writers who, even though their main focus might be an NHL team, like they put in the work to get, you know, women's hockey coverage on there, too. Um, and and obviously we know about the Boston Herald being awesome and, mm-hmm. and hosting a lot of Boston Pride stories and stuff like that. Um, but it's it's just such a rewarding experience. And everybody that writes for the Ice Garden or works there in some capacity is just such a cool like it's just such a cool group of people. Um, and I love like getting to be in a a group chat with them every day and constantly sharing women's hockey stories. Like not only do I feel like I learn more every day, um, but it's just a positive environment. And I think we all know that even though for a lot of us, this is like a, a really, really part-time job. Like we're all putting in a hundred percent every day to make sure that the coverage is there because it's not, it's not the same as covering men's sports where there's always going to be an outlet there to cover it. Um, it's just not the same for the women's side. So knowing that what we do kind of, it's probably a little bit more important. (laughs) Um, but yeah, like I said, it's just a great group of people and I love working there and I hope that we can just keep the ball rolling and make it bigger and better along with the sport itself. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cool to have a place to look for like highlights 
from the Buttes game yeah. or, you know, whatever team. I'm a Buttes fan. I'm not even going to pretend I'm not. But <laughs> it's really nice to have a place to go to see how they're doing. And they didn't have a great season, but, like, people are still writing about them. And yeah. it's it's really cool. I really like it. It's just, I mean, it's on – even, like, before I wrote for them, I had followed them and, and you know, was keeping up with everything with the Ice Garden and just having a place that, like, you can go to their page and it's just, like, man-free <laughs> – with, except for a few of our writers, but it's mm-hmm. not like, oh, here's a token story in the middle of, you know, 30 other things. Like, everything you see is going to be pretty in-depth about the women's game. Unless, you know, we're in a global pandemic, in which case we are writing articles about, like, Hillary Knight's Instagram. Which is still, like, great information that we need to have. Yes, of course. We all need to know what Hillary Knight's latest workout is so that I can get in shape during this pandemic instead of eating 3 million pounds of cinnamon muffins. Yep, you just got to think, like, would Hillary Knight be doing this right now? (laughs) I mean, maybe. Muffins are delicious. (laughs) Right now is a pretty turbulent time in women's hockey. What has been your experience with covering the women's game in, you know, 2019 and 2020? Yeah, turbulent is certainly a word. (laughs) It's been pretty crazy. I think on, like, an almost selfish note, it feels very rewarding because it's a lot of stuff that... I never thought we were going to have to deal with or you were ever going to be writing about. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said before, I think it kind of goes a step beyond covering men's sports in where it's not just like, okay, here's a game story. Like we definitely, you know, write those things. And you, like you said, we, we have these season reviews and talk about how teams are doing, but there comes a point where it's like, how do you write about a T te- or a league folding, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and how do you write about a, a boycott? And how do you write about the possibility that players aren't getting paid enough and don't have a place to play? And all these things that, you know, I, I wish we didn't have to cover because I just wish that the situation wasn't like that and everybody was, you know, being treated fairly. <laughs> but that's not the case. So I think in a way it's definitely a lot harder, but I'm I'm grateful for having that experience. Um, but I also just wish that just alongside them that we didn't have to be going through this. Yeah. Yeah. I think that a lot of them probably wish that too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, like in a perfect world. And I always, I always like hope. And I say, I'm like 50 years down the line when we have like this super awesome league that has 30 teams, we're going to be laughing about this, <laughs> but right now we're not, <laughs> we're not laughing about it. Um, yeah. It seems like most major sports and leagues at some point have gone through something kind of like this. Like yeah. women's basketball 20 years ago, there were two leagues. Even, you know, men's hockey in like the 70s and 80s. So yeah, definitely. Like, my hope is that this kind of it goes along one of those paths. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And and I really do hope that we hit a point at, you know, where we're not teetering on like, is this league going to exist next mm-hmm. year? Um, and, and, you know, we can get to the point where we have multi-year signings and you know trades and all that kind of stuff which I think we're really seeing in like the WNBA and um, the NWSL right now it's like oh they're making enough money while it's certainly still not enough money they're making enough that they can be traded and they can be you know have multi-year signings and stuff like that which is such an element to sports that I really love about the men's side of things and I, I can't wait until we're there um, with women's sports across the board because it, it does make it more interesting and I think even more people will be be a fan of it if we can get to that point. Yeah, and you can get like a new favorite player because they got traded to your team instead yeah. of just like at the start of the season, everyone signs with someone new. 
Exactly. And I think it like experiencing the heartbreak of sports is just as important as experiencing, you know, all the fun stuff in the championships. Um, so, you know, having the heartbreak of like your favorite player getting traded, even though it sucks. Like I, I hope that people get to experience that in whatever women's league is going to be the one that, you know, that lasts. Yeah, it's again, it's a it's a crazy time in women's hockey. <laughs> Definitely. And that's I mean, another thing, too, because like I said, this is my part time job. So I, you know, I have like a regular day job. And it's just crazy that like, you never know if you put your, your phone down for three hours, what you're going to get when yeah. when you pick it back up, because you just every single day, it seems like there's something new that's happening and even like the day it's such a funny story looking back on it but at the time I was like livid um the day that the CWHL folded my friend had jokingly reported one of my tweets <laughs> and because we were like going back and forth and and it was like funny like it was completely friendly and funny mm-hmm. but he reported one of my tweets and it actually got suspended so the day that the CWHL folded my Twitter account was suspended <laughs> no yeah, I was just like, and he was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't even, I didn't think it was even gonna happen. And oh. there I was, like, tweetless on probably, like, doomsday across North America. Yeah, yeah, that was probably, like, the biggest moment in women's hockey in the last, you know, 10 years outside of an Olympic or a world championship. Yeah. Easily. And I was just like, okay, well, I'll just be on the Ice Garden account if anybody needs anything. <laughs> Listen, someone has to be dedicated to tweeting on that account only. Yes. (laughs) Is there a woman or women who have helped you and supported you along the way in your hockey writing? Oh, yes. Um, Like I said before, everybody, everybody that writes for the Ice Garden, like man or woman is super cool. Got to give a shout out to Michelle J. She's our site manager. Um, And she just does so much like she is. I mean, we have to like when she takes vacations, we have to be like, Michelle, put the laptop down go like sit on the beach (laughs) um she just does so much work and she's amazing and even just I mean prior to to working there I really didn't have any like professional hockey experience like I was just a fan um that had a journalism degree (laughs) um so the fact that she even like took me on and was like yeah like you get to be in charge of the twitter I was like oh my gosh (laughs) so yeah her I mean and and like I said everybody else that writes for the ice garden they're all so supportive and I learn something new every day Um, also my mom, my mom is hilarious because she really doesn't like follow hockey that much. Like she might watch a Rangers game occasionally, but she'll repost like every one of my stories and she's like, go read this. I'm like, you probably don't even like know what's going on, (laughs) but I appreciate it. Moms can be so wonderful with their like unending support. (laughs) Yeah. She really tries. And like my brother, like she supports him too, but like she'll be at his games and be yelling about stuff. And he's like, shh, you don't know. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> she's there. and She's trying. And that's all that matters. Yeah, that's true. That is very true. <laughs> We've mentioned Twitter a couple times. We are yes. both women. Being on Twitter as a woman sometimes can suck. What are some <laughs> ways that you deal with the shitty side of the internet? Going back, I've always been like a very like combative person. Like I just want to argue everyone to death and... Twitter is not the place for that (laughs) because there will always be more and they will always not care if you're right or not. So I think I, one of my like new year's resolutions, even just going into this year was like reply less on Twitter, like just stop replying to things and stop looking at the comments of posts that you know are going to be full of trolls. (laughs) And like, you can't help it if someone's like trying to to seek out you and, and stuff like that. But I've definitely made the block button a friend 
Um, I think personally Twitter should be like a fun and informative experience. Um, and definitely like there's some business side to it too, but even like when we're doing work for the ice garden, um, on Twitter, it should be fun. Um, so if someone is like hindering that experience and not making it fun and making it really negative and stressful, I'm like, just block them. And I used to think that was very much like admitting defeat, but it's really not. It's just like, I don't need to see you in my space. Like this is my bubble (laughs) and you don't need to be in it. Um, but things, I mean, things definitely get discouraging a lot. I mean, I don't have to tell you that every time you see like ESPN tweet about a woman once every hundred posts, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, the comments are still full of things that are just awful. Um, but trying to even look at them less because it's like, you know, it's going to be there. Just celebrate the good stuff that you want to celebrate and try to ignore the rest of it. That's the only way we're going <laughs> to get through on Twitter, at least. Yeah. Yeah. What's nice about Twitter is that you can block people. Whereas in real life, if someone's being like that, you can't just yep. walk up to them and be like, I'm hitting the block button on you now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think people on Twitter are, they have a lot more audacity on, on Twitter. So I don't know. I like, I've, I've been to a lot of games and, and that kind of stuff. And even like going to men's games and everything, there's much less like, oh, ha ha, you should be in the kitchen. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know how many people would dare to say that in person, but. You'd be they, surprised. Really. <laughs> <laughs> kind of on that topic, hockey culture tends to appear to skew male, even though, you know, Hockey fans are pretty evenly split 50-50, male-female, and, you know, anywhere in between. What do you think hockey culture can do to be more inclusive to all kinds of fans? I think, like, everything. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think it is – I've had this conversation a lot with, like, my dad, you know, trying to – my dad's a a great supporter and cares very much um, about a lot of the same causes and stuff that I do. But I think he was – prior to having a daughter, I think he was just not – always informed on so much so I've definitely had like practice teaching him everything and going over the spiels and I think it really is just like a sweeping cultural change that goes beyond even sports of just like raising kids better in a way to think that like women can be your equal in sports that girls are your equal in sports you know you know I always say because he used to say that to me too he'd be like but it just seems like there's not as many women that like sports and I'm like yeah you know you're probably right but it's it's not because we have you know genetic differences in our brains it's because we get bullied out of it from a young age whether that be from parents or people at school or teachers or coaches or whoever you know generally when you're a young girl like your life is kind of skewed to think that you don't belong in this space. Mm -hmm. And I think just changing that, I mean, there's no reason why we're teaching kids that still. Um, And then I think, you know, zeroing in more on hockey, especially from like an NHL level, I think they do very much the bare minimum of, of trying to include women in things. And I don't want to seem like I'm not grateful for that because like, yeah, it's very cool that we had the three on three, you know, in the all-star game and stuff like that. But it, you can't just do it. I, I equate it very much to like the pride nights with pride tape and stuff like that. It's like, we can't get comfortable letting them do one thing one night a year and, and assuming that that's just like, okay. And you've solved equality issues. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cause it's definitely not the case. And I think, I think people feel pretty similarly. Like it's, it's very cool that a lot of teams do the pride tape and all that stuff. And I'm sure it's it's very well regarded, but it's just it's still not enough. And the more that we let it only be enough for, you know, one, oh, we only have women at the all star game and then we like barely ever show them any other time. Like, it's just not enough. So, yeah, just getting 
I don't necessarily know that I want an NHL backed entire women's league, but just something more like we just need to just keep pressing them until there's just more of showcasing of the women's game. I feel like the NHL backing a women's league would definitely give it more funding. But at the same time, I just don't trust the NHL to do it right or to do it well. And I so I don't know. I'm very torn on that just because the NHL has proved time and time again that they really like the publicity of doing like something good for women, quote unquote, or something good for minorities, and then not thinking about them ever again after that one night that season. Yeah. And I think, I mean, looking at the current state of the NHL, it's like they're barely staying afloat just covering the men's game. Like, how many lockouts have we had? How many more are we gonna have, um, Mm -hmm. you know, in, in the near future, probably? Like, why would I want that those hands on on a women's league you know I like I like I said I definitely think they can be better about supporting and then there's a whole question of you know well if they're supporting shouldn't they be benefiting financially that could be its own podcast (laughs) but yeah I just think I think when it really boils down to is just a huge societal change that needs to happen um and the NHL can help along with other leagues as well the MLB the NFL like Mm -hmm. NBA NBA has has done a very good job yeah I think but (laughs) as far as the other ones go you know men's leagues across across the world like could just do a better job and just being more supportive that doesn't necessarily have to impact them financially at all like I don't think it would be very difficult to have you know a Bruins player go to a pride game and Mm -hmm. be like hey you know if you buy a ticket to this game you can come meet me and I'll sign autographs or whatever like stuff that you know this isn't dipping into the NHL's pocket amazingly it's it's okay one guy might have to take a couple hours of his day which I'm sure a lot of the players would be willing to do also you know just stuff like that that it could just be a little bit more you know yeah yeah that's kind of like what the like men's players do in women's basketball like they go to their games they hype up those women they they talk about them as if they are actual professional athletes because they are and it seems like a lot of times you know, when we talk about women's hockey, especially now because there's like this fissure in the game, a lot of people don't talk about the women who are playing in a professional league like they're actually professionals, yeah. which is really frustrating because they are professional athletes by nature of their literal job as a professional athlete. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's it's super frustrating, but um, I think we're going to get there one day. It's just it's just going to take us, you know, really pushing it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And kind of on that note, what do you think we can do to help get more women to watch and invest their time and, you know, money into women's hockey? For maybe the standpoint of something even bigger than just like, you know, you or me writing something, um, TV is the key to everything, which we've seen again with the WNBA and and Mm -hmm. the NWSL now kind of getting a platform. If there's even just one platform that says hey we're gonna broadcast professional women's hockey like on a consistent basis not just three games a year get shown on nhl network or whatever um a consistent coverage of a league like i guarantee you it'll sell itself um so just getting that you know i was watching i just recently watched um women of troy which was the the hbo special about cheryl miller and they even you know kept hammering it in there when when basketball when women's basketball was getting really big and you know they're they're trying to get all their thoughts together about a professional league um you know back in like the 80s or 90s mm-hmm. and stuff 
that that was the thing it was like television is key if you can put these games on television like people are watching like what would be different if the whole world could have watched cheryl miller play through all four years of her her college career instead of just four championship games or Mm -hmm. whatever you know um and i think the same could be said across all of women's sports that when you can put it on tv like it's gonna sell itself because these are the best players in the world and and that's that (laughs) there's there's a huge market for it and i think it's only going to grow if you can put even casual watch because that's the thing right now. It's, it's very hard to get a casual viewer of, of women's hockey because it's it, even for me, like it's hard to seek out specific games. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't imagine someone being, you know, maybe just very slightly invested, like, Oh yeah, I'll watch it if it's on, you know, isn't going to go through the, you know, all, all of trying to find it and watch it and stream it and everything. So um, getting it on TV is, is so important. And then I think from a standpoint of people like us, it's really just hammering it in. Like I am well aware that I'm like pretty obnoxious on Twitter about just like constantly talking about women's sports. Um, And I think just not letting there be, not letting there be a break in, in when we're talking about it. Um, I'm always trying to relate things back to women's sports. And that's just because when people don't see it, they're not going to think about it. Um, and if I can make a difference in the thousand followers that I have of like thinking possibly a little bit differently about women's sports, um, I'm going to keep doing it. It's so awesome to kind of follow the people who write about women's sports because you guys do such a good job of just like covering it from top to bottom. Like it's not just a game story. It's it's a story about the person. It's a story about how they got there. And it's it's so cool just to watch that and see it. Because you get invested in something oftentimes because of the stories and the narratives and the people involved. And you guys do a really good job of putting those stories out there in a way that makes you want to want to care about the game. Thank you. But I think I think that's really cool, too, with women's hockey is like, I mean, I know a a lot of guys that love women's hockey, too. And it's really just because of the accessibility you have to the players too. Like if you go to an NWHL game when, you know, when the CWHL CWHL was around, I know they did it too. I believe the PWHPA still does it. Like they have autograph sessions after every game. Um, They will talk to every last fan that's in the building. Um, And that's, I mean, you're never going to get that in the NHL. And and that's for obvious reasons of if you're putting, you know, 15,000 people in a a stadium, we can't talk to every single person, but you know, it's, it's, it makes it a lot more personal and a lot more easy to care about when, like you said, you care about people and you care about their stories. If I can go to 10 Riveters games and meet all the whole team every single time, you know, that's want, that makes me want to be more of a fan, not to mention the cost of it. It's like, why would I go to a Rangers game and pay $120 to sit in the last row and not meet the players, barely even see them Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, pay $20 drive over to Jersey, watch a Riveters game, or Connecticut too, you know, mm-hmm. and meet a whole team and, and feel a lot more part of the community. So I think it's it's worth investing in if people knew all of that about it too. Yeah, yeah. I A couple years ago, um, when the Buttes were still owned by the Pagulas, they did like a double header game where the Buttes played the morning, like afternoon game in the big arena. And then mm-hmm. the Sabres played that night. And if you bought tickets to the Sabres game, you got free access to the women's yeah. game beforehand. And I went to – I couldn't make it to that one, unfortunately. But when they did the outdoor game this 
this winter, I met a couple women who went to that game because their tickets were free and then saw how cool the women's game was, met a couple of the players after, ended up buying season tickets. And they're like season ticket holders for the Buttes now. So it's like, yeah, it's like giving people access is so important. Yeah. And I think going along, I mean, there's so many season ticket holders just because, I mean, granted, the season is about a fourth as long at this point as an NHL season, but it's so much easier and cheaper to be a season ticket holder. And if you're the kind of person that doesn't have to draw all these lines around the hockey that you're watching and you just love hockey, like, yeah, okay, I pay a couple hundred bucks and be a season ticket holder for a a good hockey team, you know? Yeah. Um, And especially, like, you know, going back to where you started liking hockey, where I started liking hockey, like, I started watching hockey because of high school boys, you know? I'm not going to be picky about... (laughs) about the hockey that I'm watching. I just love the sport and wherever I can watch good hockey, I'm going to watch it. And that's another thing that like a barrier that we need to break is just like this mantra of like, well, they're just, they're not the best in the world. So I don't want to watch them. It's like, you know, open up your mind a little bit. Cause there's so much better hockey out there. Even if it's not women's hockey, like there's so much better hockey or at least good hockey to be watching. That isn't the NHL, you know? Yeah, exactly. I think that, the best thing that could happen for women's hockey right now would be like another NHL lockout because people uh-huh. would turn to women's the women's game as their professional hockey substitute. Mm-hmm. But oh, I would I would love to just write so many like the only professional team that's playing right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But <laughs> the only professional yeah. hockey team in Buffalo is the Buttes. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, how do you think we can get more women involved in in hockey um i think i know someone said it before um on on a podcast with you but just hiring more women and putting more women in charge of things that cater to women (laughs) having more women in the room when the nhl makes decisions about things would be so important because they don't know what they're doing right now like they have no idea how to cater to women um most I, i probably I don't know this for sure, but I would I would guess that most female hockey fans like do not care for the wine and heels and pink sparkly jersey nights. <laughs> like we just don't need that. Yeah, um, sure that there's there's women that do enjoy that, and that's great. But I think for the most part, it's like we really don't like we don't want to be singled out that much. And the assumption that I only care about wine and heels and pink and bedazzled jerseys is just like pushing me away more than it's pulling me in you know Mm -hmm. um so yeah it's really like a top to bottom thing I just hiring more women to be there to make decisions for women yeah that's one way to do it for sure yeah I feel like I'm I'm beating like a very dead horse with this but just like the merchandise is it's just not good like there's no real good options for what I want which is Again, I've said this at least six times on this show, but I want it to look exactly like the thing you're selling to the man, but I want it to fit my boobs. Yes. I remember like I I was a huge Yankees fan first and foremost before anything in life. And I remember like someone eventually got me like a pink rhinestone, like Derek Jeter jersey, and I just never wore it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't, I just, I don't know what it is, but I just don't like this. Like me as a six-year-old, like yeah um, yeah and I remember like they was like why don't you wear this I'm like because that's not what I want I just want a regular like regular pinstripe jersey that's all I want 
Yeah. Yeah, I also grew up just baseball was my sport and it still is my sport. I am absolutely devastated that opening day is not happening right now. But I growing up, my family just knew I wasn't a pink girl. And so yeah. none of the baseball gear I got was pink. It was all just like the boys stuff. And then as I started to develop into a into a person with boobs, I like they had to like switch over to men's stuff, even though I was still like small enough for a boy size and it's just it's very frustrating like yeah definitely yeah men men just ruin it they ruin the things i want (laughs) yeah i know i remember i specifically had like another jersey that it was another yankees jersey that was just like huge on me because my dad didn't know what to do (laughs) i was like i appreciate the effort but it's it's not his fault you know what i mean it's just the fault that there's really nothing there to to be purchased and it just blows my mind too because even if you look at it from like a business standpoint mm-hmm. like you want to sell more things we're telling you exactly what we want yeah <laughs> if you just come up with it we're gonna be able to buy more and then yeah. you're gonna make more money it feels so... like just one team needs to go out on a ledge here and put out a bunch of like women's merch that just looks like the men's stuff and then mm-hmm. report their numbers out to all the other teams On that same note, too, like, am I, I don't think I, I don't know for sure, but I don't think a lot of teams or any teams at all sell, like, their pride jerseys. Mm -mm. And I just want to know why, because I feel like you'd make so much money off of that. Um, I don't know. So, see, yeah, hire women. Hire me. I already have two great ideas right there. (laughs) No, someone's just going to take them and pretend they were theirs, don't you know? (laughs) (laughs) So, I just have one last question, um, and it's... Do you have any advice for women trying to get started in sports? Um, I I believe I even said this before, but I kind of go by this like mantra of life of just never shut up. Um, never stop talking about what you want to talk about. Um, always like I think, you know, even if it's a man or, or anybody, don't let anybody try to like belittle you or make you feel like this isn't a place that you belong and I know that that's super difficult like I said because we spend so much of our lives trying to defend having a space here um but just never be quiet never shut up just keep keep going on if you know this is the path that you want to be on and you know that you belong here um you do so just don't shut up about it (laughs) yeah I love that as someone who has never shut up in her life I I appreciate that advice and everyone should take it Yep, I just, because I, I, I like, you know, when you feel yourself and you're like, I know that I'm being like over the top and probably kind of annoying about this, but like, I'm not going to shut up because this is my time and I'm going to use it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I know that yeah. exact feeling all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, Leanne, thank you so much for coming on. This has been wonderful. It's been so nice to talk to a person who is my husband. <laughs> um, where can yeah. people find your stuff? Like, where are you online? Um, My... Twitter is just Leanne Strollo, um, which I'm sure my name will be somewhere so you can see how to spell mm-hmm. it because it's crazy spelling. Nobody knows how to <laughs> how to use. Um, <laughs> and I just want to stress that my DMs, everything are always open um, for people that don't know where to go for women's sports, women's hockey specifically. Um, uh, there's no stupid questions, and I'm always down to introduce somebody to the sport, especially now that I still have two weeks off of work with <laughs> absolutely nothing to do. <laughs> um, someone come talk to me. <laughs> Um, also the ice garden, um, we are just the ice garden on, um, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. super plug in the TikTok because we are having fun over there. <laughs> um, and also 
just as far as more things to shout out, uh, follow the NWHL and the PWHPA on all their stuff. Um, if you need a backlog of good hockey games to watch, the NWHL is on Twitch and they have all their games from this season on there. I believe the PWHPA has all their games on YouTube. Um, so right there is plenty of hours of things to watch for you while quarantined. I would highly suggest them. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully by the time this episode comes out, maybe hockey will be back and we'll be able to watch the Isabel Cup final. That would be great. Oh my gosh, yes. I can't wait. <laughs> I was like, of course it figures that there's one one game left, the championship Mm -hmm. game. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you again for coming on. This has been wonderful. And thank you all for listening. Uh, I'm Hannah. You can find the podcast on Twitter, and you can also find it on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including where you're listening to this now, probably. Do me a favor. Please review it so more people can find it. And uh, check out the show notes below for Leanne's Twitter, my Twitter, the show's Twitter, and the show's Patreon. We would love your support. Thank you. Thank you.